All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Boy, I uh, I guess I didn't really truly get a good gauge of how much y'all are tired of some Dion talk. Has it been a lot? I, we didn't you, – you got into it a little bit mo- on Monday, right? Yeah. He kind of touched on it yesterday, played a few cuts. Very briefly on Monday, by the way. Mm. Wow. But uh, the market is saturated, shall we say. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. You want to hear some Brent Venables? I would love to hear some Coach Venables. All right. Let's just start with a good question about philosophy. Philosophy. And again, we don't. I don't know if there is a set way that Oklahoma has in viewing the transfer portal, but Garen Emick asked Coach, hey, your portal philosophy, what uh, does it change? Is it different? Kind of how have you adjusted that? Yeah, it changes roster. based on your, yeah, your needs and maybe what you thought at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, uh, things reveal themselves and maybe you're somewhere else, but you have a, an inkling with guys graduating where young people are. Uh, you know, what an immediate need where you can bring a guy in that you feel like can make a difference. And, uh, you know, you know, you have to have, if you, what the portal allows you to do, it, it, you can enhance a position when you have sudden departures, whether that's through the, uh, that, that leave on their own or that maybe um, you've got a bunch of guys at one position graduating or that declare early for the draft. Uh, it allows you to, um, where you feel like it, you might, you don't have as many questions answered. Maybe you can bring in a guy that, that is more of a safety valve, uh, if you will. But the biggest, I think the biggest impact is, you know, what we know is where somebody can come at a position of need and make it better immediately. So it all depends on where your roster is and what type of guys that you're able to recruit out of high school and, um, you know where we have been the the first couple of years is to me my vision is it'll be um uh not as much you know but it's still going to be i'm not naive i know how with the fluidity of players being able to to leave you've got to maximize uh you know when you feel like you need to you know the the opportunity to recruit in the free agent market i like the way you put that recruit in the free agent market because that's where we are in college football, right? Right. I know no one wants to hear this, but Oklahoma's ultimate goal is to probably only take three to four people from the portal. That's the goal. Now, you have such a foundation based in young talent, five, five-star guys that are backed up by five-star guys <laughs> that whenever they graduate, move on to the NFL, yet – the guy slides in. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the spot for Oklahoma. Not there yet. Yeah, Th- three to six, right? I'd mm-hmm. wind it out just a little. Oh, you bit. would? Okay. Well, just in case it's a year where you have, you know, a nice bit of defections. Because, you know, you're finding guys that can help a little bit of everywhere, right? It's not just other Power Five programs. You're finding guys everywhere. You're right, though, that Oklahoma does not want to be in the business of what? Mm-hmm. A dozen, 15 transfer portal additions every year. I mean, that's that's crazy talk, right? Right. Absolutely. We did get injury updates. Don't know anything um, different. 
By the way, let, let me go ahead. It's probably a little bit unfair to just hop into that. He was asked, hey, any injury updates? And he had given, had Coach Venables, a bit of an injury update after the game on Saturday. So I was like, hey, any updates? Yeah, don't know anything um, different um, uh, today. Don't have any idea uh, whether or not those guys will be available. Uh, Desan, uh, we worried initially it might be a, a high sprain component. Doesn't look like that's the case at all. And, uh, and Drake was ready to go back in the game. Uh, on Saturday, did you say Davis? Davis yeah, um, yeah, he might be uh, another week or so. He's it's really uh, the issue for him is uh, ankle sprain, uh, probably a high component there. I mentioned earlier in the show that Davis Bevel is a serviceable third string quarterback, and I got this text from the nine three six that I just had to laugh at. Tomble sooner writes, Davis Bevel is a serviceable, quarter, uh, serviceable quarterback? Are you kidding me? Did you see the Cotton Bowl last year? I mean, yeah, as a third-string quarterback, he's serviceable. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's three. How, there's not many third-string quarterbacks out there that are slinging it and dropping dimes, bro. Just not reality. And he's as good in that spot, I think, that you might find just about anywhere. He, he's fine. Especially in – Today's college football. <laughs> I mean, the the vitriol some of you have still towards Davis. I mean, my goodness. Well, Cotton Bowl's pretty personal. For yeah, that was 49 to zip, though. I mean, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like the worst performance ever for OU <laughs> in that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, speaking of injuries, good question. Off, uh, I mean, literally, as perfect as, as a time text could be to this show from the 580. What happened to DJ Graham? And how long has he been banged up? Well, he tweeted that he's having surgery. So I don't know the depth of it. I don't know how serious it is. I mean, I feel like he's – I mean, let's just go ahead and and call it like it appears to be right now. As we sit here on, you know, September 6th, it doesn't look like he's going to become this all-world wide receiver that I think many of you thought he might and had hoped for. Just that's, that's the reality of it. But, I, I mean, we'll see. Looks like he's going to be out for a while. He was, was he on the depth chart even? I don't even know if he was on the depth chart. He, he was out there whenever we were there, I want to say, a couple Thursdays ago. Maybe it was a Wednesday when we were out there. But I don't know how much he was doing. So, it, it's almost like the, it's almost like the eternal hope that this dude can be something. And it might just not be the case. Hey, injuries, switching positions, new coaching staff. I mean, there is a lot that is factored in to DJ Graham. There's part of me now that's surprised he's still there. Do we have any idea what his uh, injury may be? I have no clue. I have no clue. Because Venables, uh, did he tweet that after the press conference? I, it got retweeted into my timeline. That's a good question. I would assume it was probably after the press. It had to have been, right, because Coach wasn't asked about it. and Yeah, that's uh, – reading between the lines, he didn't say it, mm-hmm. but it sounded season-ending. Right. The context of uh, well, the tweet. let me see if I can – it said, having surgery today, ready to come back better than ever. 
and he has a bunch of hashtags here. Hashtag O-U-D-N-A, hashtag Boomer Sooner, uh, Sooner, hashtag A-G-T-G. All glory to God. Ah, thank you. This was at 12.18 p.m., so right as the presser was wrapping up. I like DJ Graham. One of my favorite interviews. I want him to have all the success in the world. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Um, <laughs> boy, you guys really want to fight over Davis Bevel. He's not fine. He couldn't complete a forward pass for Christ's sake. Text line is right, bro. I mean, he did complete a forward pass on Saturday. I mean, you can take your criticisms and not be over the top. He's the third-string quarterback. Who's the better third-string quarterback, Davis or Arch? I don't know. Have you seen Arch do anything good in a college game yet? Go watch Davis Bevel's high school highlights. I bet they're just as impressive as Arch Manning's. The best quarterback room in college football is is either, you know, I I'm obviously shaded towards Oklahoma, but I mean Georgia's got three D, right? And you know, one of those is a guy that just can't seem to get on the field. Maybe Ohio State's, though. I wasn't all that impressed with Ohio State's quarterback on Saturday. Either one of them. Ole Miss has a lot of experience in there, so that's a pretty good room. But, I mean, as a third-string quarterback, you guys want to fight about that? That's fine. You, but I'm just like, I, I hope we never see him in the game. You take Arch Manning, but, again, that's sort of – that's a silly conversation almost. I, I just – I would argue that – you're basing that, though, on what? His performance in high school. Sure, just all potential. Right. All potential. <laughs> it's funny to be like that. Oh, well, he's the third-string guy. And, I'm not uh, sitting there saying put him out on the field. And Oklahoma is continuing to upgrade its quarterback depth <laughs> as we go along here. Oh. All right, Um, back to Brent Venables. No, he's terrible. I'm like, he's hurt, dude. He completed 14 passes in the Peach Bowl. The body is still cold, and you're acting like I, I never want to see him in cleats again. He came in when it was like 73 to zip. Calm down, everybody. Oh, gosh. All right, well, let's see. What do we want to hear next? That was the injury update. You know, Coach was pretty succinct in some things yesterday. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting, though. Seeing a guy like Jane Gibson ball out, seeing him have success. Just maturing, you know, his perspective changed. Uh, a lot of nurturing uh, by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, he needed, he'd be the first one to tell you he had to grow up. You know, just how you show up every day consistently and, you know, compete and be a great teammate and take coaching and, uh, put your nose in a playbook and, uh, you know, get out of your own way. Uh, and uh, really proud of the progress that he's made and, again, the the, the maturity that you're seeing every day from him. Uh, having some success is good for everybody, uh, you know, from an affirmation standpoint, doing, you know, what we ask him to do. And uh, But he's really uh, – um, had a great transformation, you know, in the last six months. Mm. I feel a little bit vindicated on that, a little bit. But 
I tell you something, man. A, a, a position of so much concern. Suddenly after Saturday, it's like, whoa. Didn't have, did they even have a drop? I guess they had one drop. Made some tough catches. That receiver depth. You know, you. Gibson Anderson, couple of nice grabs. You brought up the question. I think it was uh, also on our Twitter feed at KRF Sports. Which position group are you the most confident after week one? Boy, receivers got to be pretty high up that list, right? Well, and depending on how you frame that question, like if I reworked that question in this sense, Mm -hmm. which position group that you had some concerns about are you now most confident in after week one? Wide receiver is probably right to the top of the list, right? If I mean, not number one, right? What uh, a corner. I mean, opposite mm-hmm. Woody, probably feel a little bit better with Gentry. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, it looks looks to be a deep group. Very impressive. All right, let's break. Let's stay on time here. Hour two of the Plank Show brought to you by Allison Insurance. That's Josh on Plank. We're rolling through the Brent Venables press conference. When we come back, I thought, I thought James asked a great question about how this team is doing a good job or at least in in the one game we saw, doing a good job in getting after it, pursuit to the football. Like Arkansas State had some plays. Oklahoma was able to pursue to the football and make a stop. We'll dive into the why behind that next on The Ref. I see Coach Gasso has dropped another go boomer. This usually leads to a couple of you yelling on me for not telling you who it is whenever, honestly, I don't. Probably one of the visitors, right, from this weekend? I mean, Sophia Bordy, pretty big deal yesterday. Top player uh, in New Jersey, Gatorade player of the year from New Jersey? That is true. OC Batbuster? I want to know what that travel is like. Oh, it's got to be crazy, right? That's a California team, isn't yes, it? Yes, the Batbusters are in California. Oh, my gosh. But if you were curious about her, Bordy, is uh, she's stud. She's a pitcher. She's a first baseman. Let's see. What do they say about her numbers? Bordy helped the Bat Busters win their second consecutive 18 and under Alliance National Championship. 80 pitches to throw a no-hitter with eight strikeouts. Yeah, I, uh, that'll do. That'll do. So I would assume with the Go Boomer this morning – which, by the way, for those that uh, don't listen during softball season, uh, the Go Boomer is Patty's way of she just picks someone up recruiting-wise. Portal, commit, you name it. Finally got a real play-by-play person. Whatever it is that she's celebrating, that's the Go Boomer. <laughs> Cunny, Cunny, I like this off the text line. I am confident Davis Bevel won't hit the field again. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I guess saying, yeah, I think he's serviceable for a third-string quarterback is controversial. I didn't realize didn't realize how controversial that statement was. The 256 writes, my controversial pick for the five best quarterback rooms in the country, USC 1, OU 2, Tennessee 3, Oregon 4, Auburn 5. Auburn? Okay. Let me uh, do a little digging here and see what Auburn's QB room looks like. The bodacious advertising is uh, everywhere I look. Bodacious? Yeah, Bo Nix. Robbie Ashford and Holden Gettner behind Peyton Thorne? Hmm. Not familiar. I'm not familiar with your work. Oregon-wise. I'm sorry. I wasn't really familiar with your game. 
Uh, let's see, Oregon-wise, who do they have in their quarterback room? Well, obviously, Bo Nix, uh, Ty Thompson, and their freshman, uh, Austin Novoset, whom I guess is the next big thing. Okay. How about the Pac-12 became the first conference in however many years to go undefeated in a week? It's cracking me up. Uh, and that's their parting gift is to be awesome at football this year? Week one? It's hilarious. Like what are the what are the chances? absolutely hilarious? I looked at the schedule. They might be undefeated after week two. They might still be perfect as a conference after week two. Legitimately, it's a good league. I mean, if you're George Klivkoff, if you just would have taken the first deal, I mean, you're we're probably flexing like crazy out on the West Coast. Take the first deal, and then if you had just sprinkled the Apple TV component on top, right? Yeah, I don't – okay, Wisconsin at Washington State. That's a six-and-a-half-point line in favor of Wisconsin, but – Scanton. It's in Pullman. Wisconsin will win that game. Okay. I All think. Right. So they won't stay undefeated. Never Probably mind. not. Would have ruined the segment. But, and there is a conference game this weekend, too. You have Stanford and USC on Saturday night on Fox. Well, Stanford obviously will win that one. Right. In non-conference, though, Oklahoma State at Arizona State. I wish you only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Have you um, taken time to notice Oklahoma State didn't play all that well Saturday? Uh, there was some consternation about quarterback play, I would say, in Stillwater. Though, I don't know if I saw a worse team in non-conference play in, what was it, 2021, when they had Missouri State that almost beat them, Tulsa almost beat them, should have lost to Boise State, and then they were like a one-loss team. Yeah, then they were good. They, they, I think they played in the Big 12 championship game that year. That was the Iowa State game. So I don't want to get too carried away here. They're a lot like K-State in the sense that you can figure nothing out about them from their non-conference game. <laughs> Misty, get familiar just saying, War Eagle, go Tigers. Look at you. I, I am not familiar with the Auburn quarterback room. I might have put Ole Miss in front of it. All right, we – um. We gots to dive into this Brent Venables presser. Here we go. Back to work. Gots to. BV was asked about the pursuit, and I thought this was a really, really good question because, like I said, I haven't gone back and taken the fine-tooth comb to things from Saturday, kind of on to Cincinnati on this one. But it's a great question because I felt like what I was seeing was a team that in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, there was a few plays that were made, but they did a good job in slowing it down and got out there quickly. So, in other words, where maybe you saw, oh, there's a completed pass, it looks like that guy has an angle, or that running back seems like he has some room, the pursuit got there. Yeah, I mean, we get, get cover to the ball, you know, cover to the whistle. Uh, thought it was, you know, thought it was good. Uh, you know, I thought uh, the one time we had a uh, we had a bust and Billy uh, ran a guy down. I thought that was a you know a great effort play on his uh, behalf. But uh, thought our pursuit was good. You know, turning and chasing, running the ball. Uh, we had very very few loafs, and you always want more. You always want better, and uh, it shouldn't uh, matter who you're playing. It's how you play uh, that matters. And uh, you want to have great habits. So, um, 
when there's opportunity, which there were, there were uh, an opportunity to teach and coach and uh, reinforce uh, demand uh, even better. You know, we certainly will uh, take advantage of those opportunities. Took advantage of those opportunities, and they did. Arkansas State is not some slow team. I mean, it's not. I get it. They're a level or two below or three. What you're going to see once we get into conference play. But, I mean, there's some – there's a lot of transfers on that roster and several of them from Power 5 schools. So I, again, I'm not trying to blow it up too much, but I'm also not trying to – Not give credit where credit's due. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thought this was a really good question from Eli Letterman. And we touched on this a little bit yesterday. We recap the Brent Venables, the highlights in the BV press conference. This is a team that played a lot of players on Saturday. But I don't imagine us going into week one against Cincinnati of the college football season, the Big 12 season, and then lo and behold, there is no – there's seven linebackers playing. There's going to be, you know, three to four maybe. So how do they call that depth? That's a long way to get to making this point. <laughs> how do they call that depth? How do you get to a point where it's like, okay, these are the guys that are playing? Yeah, I mean, guys that you know we feel are, are uh, guys that can give us quality reps are in our, our three deep, and you know they're repping you know during the course of the week like normal. Last week we didn't have more opportunity to rep more guys during the week. It's the same amount of guys. You know, there's several guys that played in the game that didn't take one snap of scout work. Uh, as far as being able to see what the opponent's going to do. They just applied their rules and whatnot. So if that's a guy like Sammy and Seo, he he's down with the offense all week, you know, giving him a scout team look. And then we threw him in the game. He did pretty good. And uh, But there were several guys like that, you know, that did actually play. And uh, But you're true two and a half deep, I would say, that are down there with you, uh, you know, you're always, you know, conscious of, you know, how you rep guys during the week and get them ready. I don't see that necessarily changing. Uh, is it going to be 87? I don't know. Uh, I, I think that developing your team and developing depth is an ongoing thing that we've got to all be very conscious of. And, uh, you know, regardless of what the next few weeks looks like, I think it's important that we continue to develop our team. I don't think about that very often. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to be smarter about it. Is automatically you say, "Gosh, I want to see I want to see Sammy Omashigo play more. I want to see God, I can't think of a corner down. Oh, Macari Vickers, you know, I want to see him play more." But then you also you also realize that they might be, you know, working with the scout team, so it's it's not as if they've been in the regular preparation for the defense. And that'll, again, fine-tune itself as you get deeper into the year. I will say for those those young defensive linemen slash backers that we saw, woof, it's exciting, man. You're telling me you don't want to see more of Adebowore, PJ? Holy smokes, man. Think about another year, a full year, 
in Schmitty's strength program. I know that makes Sean mad. But think about another year in Schmitty's strength program and just how good he's going to get. Well, a full year of practice with his coaching staff around these uh, other guys that Oklahoma brought in, like a Bothroyd, a Ford, that have played a lot of football, that uh, edge group in general. So, heck yeah, it's exciting. Term we heard last year a lot, complimentary football. Got two more I want to share. Minimal snaps for the defense, maximum snaps for the offense. That's the perfect balance. Yeah, I mean, that's what's what you want. Uh, offense wants to stay on the field. Defense wants to get off the field. And, uh, I mean, it's always important. And all the stats are going to align with the things that you desire when that's the case. So, you know. The challenge is going to be uh, greater this week uh, for obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a team that's probably got more depth and they certainly got more experience. Arkansas State was a very young team. This is a team that, as I said, I think it's maybe 15 seniors uh, starting between the offense and the defense. That's a bunch of seniors. And, uh, uh, you know, senior teams play with maturity. Uh, usually they play with um, a different level of confidence. You know, their fundamentals are usually better. The moments aren't too big. So, um, but we've got a, a good group of seniors as well. And um, my expectation is we continue to uh, push and strive and hopefully execute to where we're continuing to complement one another. You know, for us to have the kind of season uh, that we desire, that's, it's going to take that. There you go. Anything else that you can remember that really – caught your ear from yesterday as you were in studio during our live presentation of the Brent Venables press conference? Not necessarily. It's all good, though. Let's see, what was this right here? I, I marked this time. Our offensive linebacks, um, I loved, again, they, they played with great passion and intensity. I felt we, we had just as a football team in the offensive line, you know, if you could say they led the way. Uh, they had a sense of desperation to them, you know, great focused uh, great focused intensity about them, and uh, they're precise and finished a lot. Finished the plays as a unit, you know, uh, for four quarters. Uh, was pleased with uh, what we saw, even through air and all that. You know, just the effort and the physicality, uh, and again the you know maturity, the sense of desperation was there. That's how you got to play the game. The, the game will honor you when you have that kind of a mindset and that kind of an attitude. I feel like that was as good of a day as the offensive line has had in a minute. I feel like they felt really good about where that old line was yesterday. Pass pro, Saturday. Yeah. run blocking. I knew I marked that for a reason. All right. There you go. Now you can hear the whole Brent Venables press conference. It's available right now on the Sooner Sports Podcast, Soonersports.com slash podcast, or – Simply search Sooner Sports Podcast, however you consume podcasts. Or, might I say, on the Ref Podcast. Oh, gosh. You think I would talk about our station? Jeez. Uh, KREF.com. Or search the Ref, however you consume podcasts. And you can find our whole show there. You miss any of it? Boom. You seen a text earlier? You wonder if we read it? Boom. Because you missed the show earlier. And believe it or not, contrary to – some some nasty grams out there. I we do try to get the uh, podcast up as soon as possible, though. Occasionally, there's uh, it's tough. an obstacle or this or that. Well, I mean, it's not like we have a ten minute break at the top of the hour. 
The it's like it's a switchover that's quick, and everyone shares the same equipment. Yeah, the uh, the line change in here is uh, a little it's bit uh, tricky for our show. All right, quick break. We're back with your text next on the ref. This song, man, cracks me up. Whenever I was in college, I think this had just come out, and it was the first time I'd ever gone to a uh, JRs for all the old school nine one eighters. It was the first time I'd ever gone to a quote unquote bar. And this song was playing, and I was just like, yeah. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Whoa. And then I, I feel Im- it. Then I immediately, in my denim on denim look, and my sweet, blonde, middle part, <laughs> my horn rim glass. Well, they weren't horn rim. My circle glasses started thinking I was fine. I finally made it. I'm in college, and I'm out and about. Let's go. So this takes you back. Yes, and then for some reason, I started reaching the can't stand this song phase of my life, right? Well, you probably heard it a million times back then. Um, Let's get caught up on a couple of text messages. We had wanted to carve out, though, some time here to talk about the new proposal to get a new entertainment district for the city of Norman. And a lot of the details are now out. General thought, Josh, I'm excited. I think it's I think it's really cool. I think it's some oh did he just commit? Or is he just showing his official visit? Ah, it looks like he was just talking about his official visit. I apologize. The Daniel uh Akinkumi. There you go. Had put a put a graphic out and it literally Josh scrolled right by it as I was I know. It's like, what are you doing right now? You, you know me. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'll see something. He's like, whoa, I what know. happened there? I, I'm so sorry. I thought it was a commitment graphic, too, but <laughs> this little touch on it. I need more pancakes is a, a <laughs> neat little touch. Well done. But from what we've seen in, in everything that we've, we've learned about and we've been told and the buzz that's out there, there's some work to be done, but it, it appears as if game back on. Game back on for an entertainment district in Norman that it looks as if it'll be in a little bit of a different area, right, than what had been projected the first time around. The Performance Center that would also be the home for OU basketball would be an 8,000-seat arena, which is a little bit more more in line with what the Moody Center is. Approximately 80% of the plan's $1 billion costs would be paid through private investment, including a substantial amount from OU. The remaining 20% would be paid through public sources. None of the funds would come from the city or county general funds. You like the area where it is? I guess it is pretty similar, though, to where it had been projected before, right? Yeah, I like it. Uh I just want to see this thing get done, man. It's uh, such a win for the city of Norman. Obviously, with Oklahoma men's and women's basketball finding a home or gymnastics, you name it. But uh, it really is larger than that. When you think performance venue, the concerts, the revenue it could bring to the city, it's uh, it's a no-brainer. I don't, I don't try to get caught up. In comparing everything I see to Tulsa. I mean, I, I try not to. We had a boss at, in Tulsa that would always compare everything to Waco, where he came from before. And you're like, bro, we get it. 
in Waco. Nobody here cares Nobody about cares, Waco. buddy. But I'll say this. Um, I started radio in the summer of 97. And the first big story that was talked about in Tulsa was a plan for a downtown arena. And there were actually, I can't remember the title of the project, but there was a name to it and there would have been three different kind of levels of it. Oh, we're Sittler when I need him. He'll, he'd remember that. But it got voted down. And I remember just, goodness, man, how can no one want this arena downtown? And I remember, man, all of the, and we're going back to the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, downtown's dead, Plank. We don't need anything downtown. It's ridiculous. Fight it tooth and nail. And it lost. It lost when it went to the electors. Another proposal lost. The whole time, everyone is saying a downtown arena would be huge. Tulsa needs a, a true downtown arena. The convention center just isn't it. You need an arena. And then finally, either A, they placated those who were against it with either <laughs> more private funds or giving them all the things they were complaining about. But finally, you reached a point where everyone did understand. Um, hey, this would be good. This would be really good for Oklahoma. This would be really good for Tulsa. And when they finally built it, when they finally finished it up, in, they started in 05 and finished in 08, been incredible. Been incredible. Would you guys agree? Now, we can fight about the area around it and how there hasn't necessarily been a lot of stuff that done blowed up. But it was the precursor to Driller's moving downtown. The development around Driller Stadium. It was the precursor to several business owners realizing, hey, we got uh, we got a chance. We got a chance to make a lot of money. We got a chance to have businesses thrive. And you've seen it grow. It's taken a while. But it it finally happened. In 2005, after years and years and years, oh, my gosh, I think you're right, Mojo Eraser. I think Mojo Eraser, we've got to do something. I'm, I'm going to have to turn this off. <laughs> I'm just turning off this I'm monitor. I'm sorry. No, it's not your fault. You've got to look around the net. I just, every time I look up, I'm like, oh, I think it was Vision 2025. <laughs> I think Mojo Eraser is right. I think that's what it was called in 1997. Bro, you might be right. Vision 2025. Like looking ahead to the year 2025, what we want it to be. This is what – and what's funny is oh all the God. stuff that was in Vision 2025, I think Tolson's are of the belief that it ended up kind of working out, but it got voted down. But then when they built the arena and they got, you know, the, the drillers, I just – it was a can't miss. It was a can't miss. I feel like this is a can't miss. Folks said that's it, Vision 2025. Thank you. Appreciate it. Happy now. Sometimes it just takes a little bit to stir the old memory. Um, now, I would agree to the 918 who says an 8,000-seat arena in Norman would not be able to compete 
for concerts against the BOK and the OKC Arena, it's not competing. Yeah, I mean, it's not in competition for those concerts. It's just not. There's plenty of other events that uh, it yeah, could host. I mean, and other concerts, by the way. Like you wouldn't get – well, no, we're not getting Katy Perry. She's in football stadiums. But you might not get – and it's not going to be as bad as like Ronnie James Dio, may he rest in peace, showing up. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Pause. Pause a moment. The 918 says Vision 2025 was the initiative that passed. Okay, so that was the initiative that passed in 2015. Someone – or 2005. Someone take me back to 1997. What was the one that failed? There were several of them. Josh, there was – and I think they're doing this now. They want to develop on the river. It's like, we're going to put all this stuff out in the islands on the river. And I'm like, what? What do do they want to put out there? Dude, I don't know. At, the, at that time, it was arena-like. They want to put the arena on the banks of the river. It was one idea. But no, th- this that got voted down, it was always downtown because the infrastructure was there and the highways and everything were going into Dare I say it's about time for them in Tulsa to revisit those types of plans? I think they are, actually. I mean, it's right. The lifespan's kind of mm-hmm. kind of at the end of it, aren't are you I think not? they are. Uh, yeah. No, no, they're looking at with – I don't know if you would consider it to be a big – I think the – the park's been a big hit on Riverside. I think it has. Mm-hmm. Now it's looking, okay, can we develop more over here? But there's – National Hockey League in Tulsa. I mean, do you guys realize – hold on a second. I understand – listen, I understand that – I understand that we're not in a, in the same place that Austin is in our music scene, right? I completely and, and totally get that. But the, the Moody Coliseum only seats, what, Seven thousand? No, that's SMU's. That which which one is the? Um, oh, why is this doing this? What's the new? Oh, it's like eight thousand. It's not much more for the new Moody Coliseum. So, I'm not too caught up in the actual capacity. I think I think Oklahoma needs to be in a smaller facility for basketball and for gymnastics. Yeah, eight thousand is a good number for for OU. Right. What is the Moody Center, Moody Center, Texas capacity? You know, and there's something too. Oh, it is. It is fifteen thousand seat with the upper deck, but they don't open the upper deck. It's nine thousand for the most part with that lower deck. Right. Well, you know, there's something nice about concerts too, and events where it's a little more intimate, and mm-hmm. it is eight thousand or so. Again, uh, not to disagree with the texture's point i mean they've no, got no, a point not, like no. you're not gonna you're not gonna get the same events right that you would get uh obviously in okc at chesapeake yeah exactly or paycom or whatever we're calling it now but i i think it's cool here's the thing if this doesn't pass bro if i'm looking like down south at some of that land I might start thinking, all right, let's see what we can do something around Norman. I don't know. I'm just vamping here a little bit, Josh. Vamping here a little bit. Oh, and I think if, yeah, if you get to that point, that's definitely. Newer location, similar, but it's a new location. Seems pretty exciting to me. 80% of the plan is private investment. You know, the the Young Family Athletic Center is going to be right near it. Uh Judging by, I'm just reading off the tea list. Weren't they supposed to send us a bunch of stuff on this? Um, uh, George Stoya just tweeted, in terms of timeline, the mayor said they hope 
to have this voted on and passed by the city council by spring, then it would likely take three to four years for the arena to be built. Mm-hmm. Timeline is still being ironed out. All right, we're late. But I just wanted to make sure we had the information on what appears to be a very exciting initiative for not just OU, but for the city of Norman as well. All right, Absolutely. Qu- quick break. It's Plank Show right here on The Ref. We got to catch up. We got to catch up. Sorry. Fell behind. Dude that yelled at us like back-to-back breaks. What is this, ESPN? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> It'll be quick. We fell behind talking about the new Team Norman event. Someone help me out. Thank you to the 580. Oh, my gosh. I was losing my mind. The Tulsa Project. Is that what it was? 1997. Yep. August of 97. What a brilliant name for a project. Yeah. It failed. Well, it what a successful name for a project. And it was funny because we had seen the success of the Oklahoma City Maps project, the Tulsa project, the $200 million renovation proposal. It was a five-part plan. Just didn't make it. Does mm. it still hurt you to think about that? I spent a lot of airtime on it, Josh. <laughs> there was a lot of segments on the Saturday Sports Spectacular where the director of the Tulsa Sports Commission at the time, John Schmieder, would come by and we talk about it. All right, top five stories of the day next.